This is the Business Tech Playbook, your source for IT help for your business. Man, we got our first guest, BJ. I'm so excited. Dude, pumped up. I know. He's actually on video right here, and he's, he basically just did a dance. It was one of the most exciting things we've done so far. He's even snapping uh, he's, his fingers, you know? I know. It's amazing. First off, I'm your host, Rob Zolson. And I'm William Pote, owner of ETAP Technology, and this is the Business Tech Playbook. And we are pleased to have on Ray Orsani, Orsini. I can never uh, pronounce it. but I'll take anything. Orsini. Any, uh, hey, okay. you is fine. It must be Italian then. Am I right? Yeah, a Excellent. little bit Italian. There you go. Ray Orsini, and you are from a company called OIT. Thanks for coming on, friend. No, thanks for having me on. I, I love the podcast, so happy to be on this side of the podcast instead of the listening side. Wonderful. Well, and we so a little bit of backstory. Ray's been Ray and OIT have been one of our preferred partners for a very, very long time. And part of our goal in bringing him onto this conversation is to just kind of explain through some of the values of his company and how it might bring value to a company like yours. Today's topic that we're going to go over is voice over IP. They're a different form of doing business telephone. So if you're listening in and you're trying to figure out why your IT guy came up to you and says, we need to switch to VoIP, this podcast is for you. So Ray, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a a network engineer turned CEO. My background is in complex and distributed networking. So for the last almost 30 years. I've been building networks that were multi-city, multi-state, multi-continent. That's pretty much my jam. I am a serial entrepreneur. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my first company I sold at age 18 uh, with the help of my parents. So I'm OIT. I founded in 2011. It was started as a managed service provider, exactly what BJ does now. And I realized within a couple of years, loved what I was doing, but I'd rather People like BJ do what they do best, and I had an affinity for working with clients and working with MSPs, technology service providers, on selling VoIP, on how to you know affect, get that value, get those uh, products in, and get the business outcomes they were looking for. So, been doing that since 2016 up to now, and uh, having a great time doing it. And I, I love the possibilities it's opened up for partners and clients. Uh, during the pandemic, was a perfect example. You know, a bunch of people couldn't cancel their contracts. They had to work from home. They had no option. VoIP allowed us to give them service for free and they could forward calls over and still have service at home instead of, you know, potentially losing calls for their business, which for an SMB, you guys know, is critical. You can't lose calls. It's it's not an option. Now, since we, you're closed. since we explain the alphabet soup, SMB, small, medium business. Habit, go. we gotta, gotta keep going through the alphabet oh, yeah. soup for sure. <laughs> There's going to be a I lot. I was so used to it, I just totally rolled with it. I was like, oh, yeah, SAP, right? I know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Robbie absolutely warned us ahead of time. He's like, we want to make sure it's as clear as possible. If we use the alphabet soup, make sure we declare it, you know, proper college, you know, paper rules. And it completely skipped past me. I apologize. No worries. Oh, it's it's going to okay. be we've habitual. We've already said MSP like everyone knows what it is. You know, we're, we're failing at our own game here. So MSP is managed service provider. So outsourced IT, fractional IT departments companies that can take care of aspects of your technology instead of having to hire somebody in-house or to supplement somebody that you have working on your team. So just to uh, follow our own rules of trying to not, you know, jargonify everything. So, well, and if you want to go along with that, I mean, you want to look at, you know, your MSP, right? Is your 
contractor. They're the ones getting the best solutions for your house. If we're using the building a house analogy, they bring in vendors like me. Um, let's go ahead and call me the Viking appliances of, of VoIP. <laughs> and uh, they bring me in and a ton of other things to make sure the business operates in the best way. So the business doesn't have to be an expert on VoIP or mm. on any of the other millions of acronyms. You, you have a BJ, which is its own acronym. <laughs> well, Good uh, times. to dive into questions first one uh, just so we have our listeners on the same page what is voip and why is it different than normal telephone normal telephone as as we know it today uh, i'll give another uh, alphabet soup uh, it's built in what's called the pstn public switch telephone network so anybody that's ever had a phone line at home or at the office you know there's a copper wires in the ground or in the walls and they're literally copper wires that connect all the way across the world you know different stops in between which is great but it's not scalable Right? Any business that's ever had to add on another phone or add on a new feature to their, you know, because they're adding a, a greeting because they're closed for Memorial Day, right? Or Labor Day or whatever. Or they're, you know, something like the pandemic's happening. Whatever is going on. Those changes were traditionally very expensive to affect. And physical systems had severe limitations. You know, they were usually a divisible of eight. So you could have up to eight phones. And then if you had needed a ninth phone, you had to add like another couple hundred dollar, a couple thousand dollar card to the max of the of the phone system, which we call a PBX, public branch exchange, basically just the box. It's the computer for your phones. You know, I'm learning. I'm learning, Robbie. You got so, it. You got it. Yeah. So what happened is in the early 90s, and actually the documents that state how VoIP is supposed to work were started even before that. But around the 90s is where it really started to take off. They said, well, we have this thing called the internet, right? This is DSL, digital subscriber line, you know, the 1.5 megabits you would get from your telco. Oh, man, that line. was so good back then. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. You know, it was back, you know, it was a step up from dial up, right? It was a lot faster. It was three times faster. It was fantastic. But what we realized is we could transmit phone service over the internet, similar to the way we do web pages, the way we do any other audio, any other video. That's the OIP portion of it, voice over IP, internet protocol. So it's going over the internet. And so we realized you don't worry about where you can have your computer in your house. You have Wi-Fi. You can move your computer around your house anywhere you want. It's much easier. Computers are much, and networking is much more flexible to add connections anywhere else in the office. You need a little bit of wiring, but that's far easier to do than if you had to add phones or traditional phone systems. And then because of that, you had all this new flexibility. And then on top of that, with these cloud-based systems, like what we offer, you can make the changes yourself. It's just a web page. It's no different than logging into your email, logging into your bank. You just log into a portal and say, okay, I'm going to record a greeting and it'll call your phone and you can do it there or upload something. All these options opened up and the mind-blowing part of this was it was cheaper. Like 90% of the time, it was cheaper than buying that $2,000 phone system or you know getting this hardware that was out of date by five years and then you got to go to eBay because they don't make your your hardware anymore and that's the only place you can find it. And these are real problems that people with these legacy phone systems today still encounter. Um, we don't have any all that clients away. that have that problem. <laughs> we all do, brother. We all do. <laughs> As I'm, th I'm, I'm sitting here literally thinking of one client who, yes, yeah, has I think 65 extensions on an old Avaya PBX, and we've pretty much just gone well. And it becomes it needs so to be changed, complicated but... to manage, right? Like mm -hmm. all the wiring, I should have prepared with pictures, but like I have pictures of rats' nests, and they work. It's one of those things like it works, don't touch it, but you know, if you have to do anything to it, that's not user serviceable. And you know, BJ, you or your team might go maybe work on it or maybe you have to go hire somebody to work on these things and they're very very expensive and then they have their licensing costs and all this other nonsense i'd rather people put their money where it really matters on their it infrastructure and on their services well and as more and more things just touch the the network 
more and more we found that's a big part of why you say I think it's a good way to kind of classify it. Like MSPs are a lot like a general contractor where you bring in the specialists for each of the sub trades to really understand how to, you know, kind of or- orchestrate and build an entire building. We know enough about each of the things, you know, I know enough about voice and anything that touches your network, but it's a, there's a lot of pieces that go into making a business successful technology wise. When us as an MSP yeah. are a jack of all trades, you know, and master of some, not everything, it's nice to have a provider uh, on the backbone to take care of that. So we don't have to deal with that 20 year old system. R- real tangent here, by the way, was in a business and we were doing an audit to see if we could engage the customer and help them with our MS managed services and went through an audit and as they were doing it, and like, oh, I have to call so-and-so. And they grabbed their phone, and I noticed that they had to do a complication, a complicated dial system. And then it said, hello, dialing to Karen. I'm like, who's Karen? Well, she died 10 years ago, and we haven't been able to take her off our phone system because we don't know anybody to manage it, and no one will work with it. That's a common thing. That happens all the time to this day. That happens all the time. Maybe not with Karen, but you know that happens so much. And it's it's mind-boggling to me because these are tiny things. They're they're tiny things you could easily work around. Yeah, I'm calling Mike and it says Karen on the phone. It happens, whatever. But it also creates a little bit of hiccup, a little bit of like uh, a barrier to to operating efficiently. And even if it's that half second, if you can remove that and you're taking away the average users calling their coworkers 10, 15 times a day, those half seconds, that's seven and a half seconds, right? If you're calling them half seconds, that adds up during the week. That adds up over the year. Why not make their quality of life a little bit easier? And then we just had Ray Bob's act and Carrie's law last year that specified rules around like you can't require anybody to dial anything but 911 to dial 911. Well, these old legacy systems, plenty of them you have to dial nine to get an outside line and then dial something. Well, Carrie's law and Ray Bob's act immediately invalidated every one of those PBXs because now you're outside what you're supposed to be doing. You know, so there's there's whoa, real whoa. help me out here. Because yeah. I've, it's been a while since I've worked for a telecom. That law, number one, it makes sense. Yeah. But how does that invalidate? Like, let's say I'm a business owner listening in, and right now I know I have that old system that I got to dial nine for. Yeah. Am I the one as a customer or the owner of this system liable for not being able to dial nine one one? Is there? Am I going to get some sort of surcharge so, that my telephone company hasn't told me? The, the old. Uh, old saying misery loves company so the rules actually state it's the owner of the pbx the owner of the phone systems required to have it maintained and and make change and there are some caveats there are some little gotchas where you can you know get exemptions and anybody that works on it so if you're that msp you're that managed service provider that says oh i figured out how to work on avai or samsung or or uh nec the minute you go to change anything in that system you're now also equally responsible it's like hipaa for telco it's like yay everybody's getting in trouble so if you're listening Um, into this right now and you have one of those old systems and you help even help with it you know don't call us don't touch it (laughs) because you're probably liable now Well, or ETOPS call us, first we're will be, it. let's replace it with a, yeah. With a cloud hey. <laughs> yeah, we're replacing it. Oh, shoot. Yeah, people don't understand but, how know. badly the telephones are still managed uh, legally because they have to because of emergency resources, yeah. the uh, backbone so emergency lines could get uh, taken care of, uh, spam calls being technically illegal even though they're they're not. There's a yeah. lot of laws all based upon when phone systems were mandated in the 50s. So 
Yeah, there's there's a ton of those, and then you got stir shaken, and you got robocall rules in the databases, and yeah, uh, I mean even stuff as simple as uh, the national suicide hotline that was enacted. They gave us warning in 2021, and then it was required by June of 2022 that you need to be able to dial 988 to get to the national suicide hotline. There's a lot of local PBXs that don't allow that. Now, are you going to get caught? Probably not. It's like ripping the the tag off the mattress, right? I mean, no, but it's which sure. you're allowed to do at home. You can't do in the store. You're it's sure nice to have a provider to take care of it for you, you know? But take the liability off. Why? It's like that half second we're talking about. Take that off your shoulders. Why worry about it? So to get back and uh, slightly lower level questions, uh, what makes VoIP better? I mean, you clearly built this company up based upon I'm better. Uh, you've told us some reasons why. Can you get, tell us some more? Yeah, absolutely. So... Flexibility is the biggest point, right? Flexibility is where you want to be able to, um, whether it's pick up your phone and go work from home, whether it's have a second phone at home and it's your same extension no matter where you're working from. Pre-show, we were talking about my office. This is my actual office, but I have a, a studio set up at home as well in my home office and I can operate from there anytime I want. VoIP adds so much flexibility so Microsoft Teams, right? I, I'm sure our audience has heard of Microsoft Teams in some capacity, you know, and, and absolutely anybody working with their MSP absolutely uh, has a Microsoft Teams. We can funnel the calls through Microsoft Teams so you have a single experience. You want to have it on your cell phone as an app. You can have it on your cell phone. You can have a second SIM card on your cell phone. So it's actually s local calls. I'm not going to, okay, subscriber identification module is SIM. Uh, but the little card you hey. put in your, your cell phone. <laughs> Um, I was wondering if you were going to clarify on HIPAA. I, I wasn't going to go there. We we, we did that in three episodes. Some things are just out. We don't have to have whatever. Yeah, right? just, yeah, like, just have to go, roll right? with it. Yeah. Um, so uh, which, healthcare information, public portability act or something like that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, healthcare provide health insurance provider portability act. The, your data is private and the government says so. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you can have a SIM card and actually have, like, I have my second SIM on my phone, says OIT VoIP. So I'm, I'm actually making receiving calls, making, sending and receiving texts over the cell network. So I'm not worried about data coverage. And it's all going through my PBX, my phone system, so that I have unified call records. If you have remote employees, you have salespeople, you don't have to get cell, uh, cell phone plans now. It's all just one system, one bill, and much easier to manage. And you or your MSP could manage it. Super, super simple. That flexibility, it's one of those things where you get something and you bought it for one thing and then you start messing with it and you realize, oh, I can do this too. And I can do this too. And I can do this too. I've said for years, it's the phone, the cloud PBXs, cloud phone systems give you hundred, literally hundreds of Oxford dictionary, literally not, you know, current generation dictionary, dictionary, uh, literally, but these systems give you literally hundreds of features and you're going to use probably 20 or 30 of them, eh, whatever. But you have the features you want, and normally you don't have to pay any extra for them. You can't say that for these legacy phone systems. So my question uh, that I get continually from users individually is, I want to keep my same phone. They can't keep their, their same phone traditionally from their old experience. Uh, at least even if they have some sort of adapters or something, they shouldn't because they're not going to get that full experience. But how yeah. similar are some of the phone options for users uh, i'm asking this because yes i know the question but listeners are are going to want to know is i'm going to have to pick no, up something entirely it. different or am i just stuck with that microsoft teams interface no no it's it's absolutely right i mean some people like physical phones this absolutely can be a generational or a cultural thing as well older generations and honestly my generation should be most of us use like and prefer physical phones right they like to be able to pick up the phone call 
Uh, you have your same, you know, 12 digit uh, number pad. All that stuff is there and that's fine. But if you don't want to use this, I, my calls I make with my earbuds and this microphone. I don't use a desk phone at all. This was here for testing, you know, or Teams. And that's the flexibility also. If you got an Avaya phone system, and, and this is true for Samsung, NEC, and all the other ones. If you got an Avaya phone system, for example, the only phones you can get are the Avaya phones that are for that system. Not even all the Avaya phones, just that system. Well, in VoIP, VoIP is a protocol. So you can actually, there are, without exaggeration, thousands of phones, thousands of devices that are compatible. And with most providers like us, we're agnostic on hardware. I like Yealink. It's one of my favorite brands. It's nice and easy. But behind me, I have Polycom. I have Yealink. I have uh, Grandstream, Cisco, uh, Avaya, Snom. I have a ton of brands. So if you're coming from another VoIP provider, you probably can keep your phones. And if you have a specific phone you like with certain button styles you like because you've gotten accustomed to it, there's probably a VoIP option that is very similar in form factor and features, or form factor and layout that is, and I guarantee you with more features, that can do it. And here's the best part. Go sell the old stuff on eBay because there's somebody else with that legacy PBX that needs that handset that's not been made for the last 15 years. So you can make a little bit of money back. I did not expect that until I had to live that same life. Literally pulled out a 30 uh, phone system. These phones, I mean, the buttons were sticking from some nicotine because they still let some dude smoke in a warehouse. And they still yeah. sold in bulk on eBay they without sell. return for nice money. Yeah. My, my favorite is when they have the uh, that big rubber thing on the, the handset they used to have. So yeah, the rubber shoe. And yes, and you can't take it off because that's become like cement by this point. It is bonded um, to the plastic. Sell. People buy it. I, I love it. So yeah, I mean, so even with like the normally you say, okay, I've invested so much. I don't want to invest again. You know, here you can actually recoup some of your money. You usually can't say that if you're upgrading a server or Pretty rare. You know, a PC or a laptop. So it's, it's nice. Now Ray is on video chat with us on our discord. So you can join our discord by going to businesstechplaybook.com. Bottom of the podcast site, you'll see the link for Discord. You can join us. We try to record these live, if applicable. But uh, Ray is holding a Yalink phone that's spelled Y-E-A-L-I-N-K. That particular phone is probably the most popular worldwide. You can go to yalink.com. You can see a bunch of their different phone lines. And let me tell you, when you're looking through, you can get every shape, size, form factor with cameras and a screen, it look like a computer uh, anything down to even the basic without screen just buttons on the phone mm -hmm. so if you are, are you know trying to contemplate what you want this is one company to show you the examples of what you can get out there the vast and majority of you for being like one of the three people i know that actually pronounces yeah link right i don't even say yeah link that that is the proper pronunciation i say yeah link oh, really like else. so good on you man hey oh, you that's know that's funny i totally was gonna call him out and being like uh, it's like it's, a, it's like him calling you Orsini no. incorrectly. He's, uh, he's absolutely right. <laughs> really? Hey, my, my, well, my ISP experience is showing, bud. There you go. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so part of what we always try to talk to is kind of talk through the, uh, like, what would Brian, our fictional CFO, be looking for to make this decision? So, like, what's one of the, maybe the top three things you would tell Brian, their CFO, you know, what does he need to think about in switching to a voice provider or switching voice provider? So, you you want a you want a voice provider that can demonstrate a proven history of uptime, right? Because your phones are important. I've never met a company that says, "Ah, eh, we don't care about our phones." That's not, I've never seen that. Even warehouses. I mostly don't. Like, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, 
So, you know, you want, you want that. You want one that, that makes things as simple as possible, right? I'm all about making it easy, right? Uh, so, you know, there's Microsoft 365 plans that, you know, you, we, most MSPs have the ones they standardize on because of the best benefits for clients. And VoIP is no different. Let's be honest. The ability to pick up and dial some numbers and connect to somebody else, while magical, it's not complicated. It's it's table stakes for anybody. Look at the stuff that's non-traditional. I the average person's gonna tell you go look for a phone system where it's gonna have this feature and this feature. And yes, know the features you want. Okay, fine, but truthfully, call recording, auto attendance, voicemail to email, call transcription, messaging, right? SMS, short message uh service, and MMS, multimedia message service. Forms of you text know, messaging. Uh, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I should have said. Forms of text messaging. Um, you know, all that stuff is really table stakes. Most of the providers out there already do this. Look for the ones where they have a close tie-in with your MSP, where they have a good relationship, and your MSP can either get them to do the work for for you, or the MSP can do the work for you, one of the two, uh, or both, ideally, because um, you want that symbiotic relationship for the benefit of the client. Look for one that has a proven track record of not raising prices, because that's kind of a thing, right? We all know the whole shtick of get in at twelve ninety nine, and then suddenly you're you know you're locked in, and it's fifty one ninety nine a user like two months later. Thanks, Comcast. Um, you know, or you look for the ones that that have favorable operating terms, right? So like us, we have a two-year agreement, then it's month to month after that. I don't need to sit there and lock you in for life. You're going to stay for life because you like the service and it's good for your business. And if it's not, Godspeed. I, I don't hold it against you. And so you want a company that's going to align with your business goals. really. And that's hard to say because there's no feature sheet that you're going to look at and say, okay, this aligns with, uh, what's our fictional CFO's name? Of Brian. Brian. Brian, there, there, there's no like, there's no spec sheet that's going to be like Brian's needs and like have all of Brian's needs there. But they should at least be able to answer your questions. You should be able to get them on the phone and and make sure they can meet your needs. And don't be afraid to qualify them. Don't be afraid to you know say go to your MSP and say why is this the VoIP company for me? Uh, if they're an awesome MSP like Etop, they'll be able to explain to you why they're recommending this solution. Uh, a couple other things that I've noticed actually selling VoIP phones myself as well is when you're out there and you're doing any of these type of managed contracts, see if they have a friendly. If they don't have someone to say, hey, this person's been with us for the last three years, they've enjoyed the hell out of us, talk to them and see what their review is. That If they don't have a friendly for you, that's, that's kind of a sketchy company in my opinion. And also ask uh, some of the contingencies of the contract. Manage print mm -hmm. and VoIP providers a lot of times have auto uh, um, price raises. So auto my, renewals. Yeah, yeah, auto renewals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, huge. So they auto renew in two ways commonly. Yours could be very different. Check into it. Uh, one, they have, no matter what, you have a 20% uh, price hike every year for what they call cost of living contractual obligation. So yes, you might have signed three years, but one year in 20%, second year in 20%, even though you're still locked in the commitment. To me, when I sign a contract, that means I'm I'm doing the contract for the benefit of maintaining that price. So ask the questions. And two, if you fail to uh, contact them before your term's up, they're just going to re-renew re for maybe the same length of the original contract, which can happen. And Some states have laws protecting that where you can get out of it, but you, you were going to say there, BJ? I was going to say, and a lot of times, there's a very strict reporting window for cancellations. I've seen that a lot with, uh, I'm not going to say who, but they're a, they were a California-based uh, telco provider where they would do a lot of five-year contracts with a, like you had to do it within 
60 days before the end, but no more than 90. And if on a Thursday that happened, are they to be one the of fifth, those that they, their name sounds like something you might put on a kitchen counter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who this exactly is. And that's I'm great. I'm not even sure where this is going. Uh, <laughs> yeah. sure. All right. Ed, no. So, but yeah, but that's the thing. It, so it, it might, it might be something providers. like Hella and like the Pacific ocean. How dare you guys, uh, okay. you just, you just shat all over chopping block communications. Chopping right. black communications. <laughs> that is that is uncalled so, for. But but that's the thing though. Like from Legacy, Telco used to be notorious for five, seven, ten year contracts. But remember what I was saying back back to the PSTN days, the copper in the ground. They had Very major expensive. rollout costs to getting phone lines connected. They had to send somebody out to go punch down these lines and build those rat nests that we hate to see today. So it wasn't. It was. I'm not going to say justifiable, but it was more reasonable that they were doing these five years, seven year contracts because they had out out costs. Voice over IP, a little bit of costs, but no. And there's definitely no reason for automatic renewals every three years and you need a 72 day notice and it can only be under a new blood moon or something. No, no, no. It's just get somebody that's going to do business with you. I like that one. That was that was a good one. All right, what does it take to uh, move over from my traditional phone system to the VoIP? Like it. it Talk to me about the bouncing ball. First, I call you and say, hey, Ray, I'm, I'm in. Like, I like your price plan. Contract looks good. What What's next? Here's my signature on a piece of paper. Go. Yeah. So we try to make it as complicated as possible. No, I'm kidding. We, I so it. It's I actually it. not bad. We, we assign, yeah. uh, we either work with your MSP, your managed service provider, or directly with the client. And we assign somebody in onboarding to handle everything moving over. Um, so they're going to have a call with you. They're going to go over the phone numbers you want to move over. They're going to ask you what is, yeah, we can ask what your phone system looks like today as far as like how the calls go. More importantly than that, how do you want it to work? What is your ideal scenario when the calls come in? What do you want to happen? Um, we walk you through all that. Uh, and then if you're buying hardware from us or your MSP, it'll get shipped out during that time. We need approximately a week to two weeks to move your numbers from your old provider to us. It can extend at time to time, depending on the losing provider. Some of them are more difficult than others. But for the most part, it's pretty smooth. By the time you get the phones, within a week, they're ready to go. You plug them in anywhere. Your, your MSP goes in and plugs them in, however you want to set up. And everything's pre-configured, ready to go. And on the day of uh, the day of porting, so porting is the process of moving a phone number from one carrier to another, it'll just start ringing on the new phones and you're good to go. Uh, it can be completely seamless for the majority of times. And it's nice. And then you go cancel your old provider 30 days later and, you know, so long and thanks for all the fish. In that, that process, uh, porting, I've had uh, some customers that didn't plan. They tried to sign up for a, a commitment and found that they're in some tiny podunk town where there's only one provider and a uh, thing called LEC or CLEC prevents them. Can you, one, help with that alphabet and two, explain, uh, explain that to the listeners? So Telco, unfortunately, because of the age, I mean, we're talking like Alexander Graham Bell. Telco, because of the age, is this ridiculous quagmire of cables and providers and rate centers and what's called LRNs, location routing numbers, which look exactly like phone numbers. Uh, so when you dial a phone number, it looks up the location routing number and then it says, I'm going to send to this rate center, uh, which is houses every number for an exchange, right? So if your phone number is 555-1212 with area code 303, they're housed the 303-555 numbers. And unfortunately, when the Local Number Portability Act came out in 1987, 1992, I always forget the exact date, there were certain providers that because they didn't have data connectivity or they didn't have connectivity to uh, any kind of digital connectivity, they were exempt from having to port. 
so there's a lot of these rural providers because it would be a major cost to build that out. And that does happen from time to time. Alaska is the easiest example. There are two rate centers in Alaska, Juno and I always forget the other one, uh, Anchorage. And only one of them has portable numbers. <laughs> so if wow. you're in the other one, you're SOL. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go ahead and uh, do the alphabet for SOL, but, and the companies that own these, the Lex local exchange carriers, uh, or CLEX competitive local exchange carriers, um, uh, they have those rate centers and they have those exempt exemptions, but, uh, you can do some things to get around it. A most companies today, us 50 and Canada is just local calling. Um, so getting a different number, getting a new number in a portable rate center is not the end of the world. It's not like if I'm from Birmingham and somebody calls me from Montgomery, oh my gosh, that's a long distance call. With VoIP, that's not a thing. So getting a different area code is not a big deal. Some people still want that local area code. If that's the case, we can do what's called caller ID spoofing. Um, so we provide a fake number. You forward it over to us. You do keep service with the original provider. You forward it over to us on, a, on another number we assign, and then we fake your outbound caller ID. So they always think it's that original number. It's a little kludgy. It does cost you extra because you're keeping that line alive, usually for a reduced cost. But if that number is one of those numbers you've had for 50 years, and you know I have a real estate company that's had the same number since 1975. If you have one of those and you can't let go of the number, you can do that. Uh, it is an option. And I would still recommend it because you get so much from VoIP it's still worth that little extra 20 bucks a month to have the number with the other provider. So it's not the end of the world. I live in rural Minnesota and this is a uh, big problem for some of our small towns and the oh, yeah. interesting local ISPs on purpose, keep them lack. So they're not competitive uh, just to hold the numbers as essential ransom. So they have a lot of businesses nice. that want that little local number because they've had it for, like you said, 30 plus years and they have to pay for that number to be forwarded. So I just wanted to point and that out tried. in case we've got some local, you know, uh, rural listeners out yeah. there. Yeah, we, we've tried with a bunch of those uh, local, uh, those bunch of little, and they're, they're rural ISPs and, and telcos. They're, they're usually the smaller ones because it's too expensive for the big ones not to do it. But this is in the days where like it was 20, 30, 50, 100 grand to be able to get that connectivity. Nowadays, they all have internet at their locations anyway. You know, it could be as simple as a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks. We've tried to create relationships with some of them. We've been successful with some, very, very few. But like you said, a lot of them just hold on to it because they have gold in their hand and they know the minute they can start porting out they're probably going to lose some business so you hmm. know it's it is what it is uh, go complain to the fcc uh the federal communications commission uh this time next year telco will actually be under the ftc the federal trade commission but um for now go and actually the fcc does respond to complaints they're actually really good about that so go yell is the fcc going away or is it just changing no its... so voice over ip uh and internet was never considered a utility by design which means it's not beholden to a lot of rules which is why there's some areas you know like robbie you may have like one isp that'll service many you. many you places I mean? yep yes in a lot of places that's a normal thing oligopoly like, baby yeah i have multiple providers here in my office you know what i mean and they're all pretty cheap so to combat that, because the FCC is a quasi-governmental uh, entity, it's much like USPS, they don't have the teeth that they really need to do to, to effect change. The FTC is fully government. They have teeth. So legislation is being passed right now to move telco over to uh, the FTC. Interesting. Whether it passes or not, we'll see, but I, there's a good likelihood it's going to. And the FTC likes their teeth. 
they use them. Oh, they do. They they're yeah. Go do some false advertising. See what see what happens. <laughs> so. they'll, they'll bite you hard. Now I know it's so interesting. Telephone is variable depending on your area, depending on what you're looking for, all the features. So asking pricing is going to be pretty complicated. Without you know, what are you looking for? But on average, you know, it, what's the cost savings moving for a traditional user over from legacy to uh, VoIP? What what do you see out there on average? Yeah. So we're we're seeing on average thirty to forty percent savings. Um, what? Hold just, hold on, hold on. Thirty yeah. to forty percent. Ask anybody right now if they're getting any traditional service for I don't know thirty or forty percent casually thrown out there, and they wouldn't just be like, "Why haven't I done this sooner?" Well, the average line, and and this is the thing: as these copper lines, these uh, these copper lines in the ground, or we call pots, plain old telephone service. As they get older and older, they they're in they're in conduits that collapse. They get filled with water, even though they're waterproof. They get filled with water and dirt. They're expensive to maintain. Uh, Verizon, for example, in the Northeast United States, they're not doing any copper anymore. Period. If you want new service, you have to go VoIP. It's not an option anymore. But as a result, the ones that are still doing copper are charging more and more. Uh, I'll give you an example. Back. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and Robbie, call me out if I'm if I'm wrong, you could get a phone line for about 20 bucks. You can get a low-use phone line for 1850 if you wanted to from AT&T. Nowadays, those same lines are 45, 60, 80 bucks a line. And then if you're in office, you're paying more and God forbid you want voicemail or you know you want three-way calling because they're charging for those features. So you could easily be a hundred bucks a line. Well, you have a typical 10 user office. Telco usually with this legacy systems does a rule of third. So 10 users, three to four lines to support the voice and then maybe one more line for fax. Four times a hundred, you're $400 a month for 10 users. That's insane. That's not including the internet. That's 400 bucks, not including the PBX, not including maintenance, not including taxes. 400 bucks for an office. Now- and you're I'm going to pause you there. I'm already going yeah. to have listeners saying, in, well, why in the world, if you say that's this POTS, this plain old telephone, it's so expensive in the copper lines, why in the world is my ISP giving it for no additional cost as part of my internet and TV bundle? And for those yeah, listeners, so. if you're listening in, there's a wonderful government act out there that they have subsidized home phone lines so that when they connect your line, they don't expect you to use it, but they know that they're getting that government subsidy for an active home telephone. This is not oh, yeah. including in business. So that's their bundling uh, scheme, if you will, to make money. And this does not is. Uh, actually pay for those lines and those features you're using for business. No, no. The users are paying for the lines either way, unfortunately, because that money came directly out of USAC before it went to the, those other initiatives. And anytime you look at your phone bill, you'll see USAC, Universal Service... I can't remember the AC. Um, you're good. So... Okay, so whatchamacallit, so you, if you ever look at your bill, your telco bills, any of them, cell phone, home phone, VoIP, whatever, you'll see uh, there's USAC charges or you'll see USF charges, Universal Service Fund. And that was made originally for libraries, schools, rural uh, businesses, farms and the like to get them telco services. But as uh, it's been expanded, now they're using those funds to tell these telcos and ISPs, offer service to this area, give them VoIP, give them whatever and we'll subsidize it. We were offered half a million per city for like, I think they allocated like 25 or 30 cities to us if we wanted to. We ultimately chose not to because I don't like money, but um, obviously but it's a ridiculous <laughs> amount of money. Yeah. yeah, but it's an insane amount of money for very little work. Um, with voice over IP though, those costs are significantly less. Um, and I'll give you an example, like your phone system. So that $100, $400 a month company 
your telco is saying, well, well, or your ISP is saying, we'll just throw it in because of the reasons you said, um, and it doesn't cost them anything. What happens with companies like us, we'll charge 24.50 a user. So 24.50, 10 users, 245 bucks, right there. That's, uh, that's, that's like 55% savings right there. But you also have unlimited phone calls. You have unlimited service, right? This is not the days where you're paying per text message or paying per phone call, paying per minute, and you got to call me on the weekends because that's what my T-Mobile plan allows for unlimited minutes. No, this is, you have 10 users, you could have 200 calls come in. It could scale because over the internet, we can handle all that. It's not a big deal. And so you already have infinitely more for significantly less. And then we come out with features, and we're not the only ones that do this. We come out with features, I want to say we do... Uh, releases at least every 30 days, 45 days, usually with some new feature. Um, and we'll come out with 20 or 30 features a year that we include for free, right? Call recording well, is one we came out with years ago. And you can't do that with a legacy system. Well, and for to, to kind of your point, Ray, one of the things that I see in your system that you can do with like a cloud-based PBX is you can start integrating it into all of the different cloud-based softwares you use. Oh, you yeah. can, there's a lot of different pieces of tooling that you get with a cloud-based PBX versus, you know, that on-premise, what you got, what you paid for is what you got. And that is what you will have until you get rid of it. Yeah. That's, and that, that's a, that's a huge thing also. It's, it's, you have so many options, you have so much flexibility and that's what I say. It's beyond the features. It's beyond just, can my phone system dial this country? It's, there's all these other things that go into it that you get so many benefits from. It's like, it goes back to that half second I was talking about where you're saving a little bit of effort. Well, I have Salesforce and, uh, and HubSpot integrated with my phone system for our office. So when you call in, it pops up a record in Salesforce and HubSpot and it looks up and says, okay, well, you know, Brian has called in three times today. I see all the issues Brian has. I have all the notes. I don't have to go looking for it. It's right there in front of me. It gets you that much faster. I mean, that's a huge win. You know what I mean? Forget now, forget saving half a second. Now you're saving 60 seconds, 120 seconds of looking up records and seeing what's going on with Brian and seeing why the CFO is calling you. Imagine what kind of impact that would have for your company when you have all that information at your fingertips, which is the premise of the internet, right? We're supposed to have everything at our fingertips. Well, one of the things that was interesting is we had a, a client who basically ran a call center on OIT. They were getting six, 700 calls a day. And they're like, we're so busy, so busy. We just can't show. We don't know why we're so busy. And I sat down with their office manager and was like, let's take a look at how many calls you're getting. And because of that, she was able to go back to ownership and say, hey, you know, during our busy, our busy days, we're getting, you know, 600 calls spread across six people. That's 100 calls per person per day. That's a substantial amount in an eight-hour day. We really need three more people. So that way it keeps the hold times down. And so they were able to just run a very simple report off of it. It was accessible anywhere. I pulled it up on my laptop, showed her, gave her the Excel spreadsheet, and then they were able to hire three more people as a result of that. I mean, uh, how because many they had numbers to back it up. Have salespeople, and they have no idea if they're making calls, have no idea if they're, you know, doing their their dialing, doing their customer contacts or client success. Right, um, that's a thing. Like you don't have that data. Well, part of the PBX, the cloud PBX, is you have all that data. You can export it to Excel. And you know, manipulate it, make some pivot charts if that's what makes you happy. Um, I know there's a subset the CFO of CFOs might out there be. like Brian. I'm just saying, Brian's super happy about the pivot tables, you know. Give but that, re that resource allocation, where you can say, "I know we're busier on Tuesday through." Like I have the data for us. I know 11 to 3, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern is our busiest time across the entire country. Crazy, but it is Monday through Friday. I know that on Saturdays and Sundays, Saturdays I get 
one tenth of the calls I get during the week. On Sundays, I get like one twentieth the number of calls I normally get during the week at a macro level. All that data is not because I'm the CEO of the phone company. It's in anybody's system they can go log in and see immediately, which is pretty awesome. You know, it's it that data nowadays you can do so much more with data. With I'm not going to go down the Power BI and all the other dashboard analytics software. Um, Grafana. But the fact that you can do all that stuff is pretty awesome, right? Wrap up the last couple of questions. I'm pulling this from some user data that I've actually done presentations on VoIP in the past for, and I've had people raise their hand and say, well, hey, if I'm going to go out this cool internet-provided telephone, isn't the quality going to go down? And my immediate answer to those people are, if you're if you're going from a tube TV to something digital and you're watching an app, suddenly now you have 4K. This is the same deal. It can handle the highest quality traffic phone can provide uh, on the platform. But most importantly, the biggest question I had from people is what happens when the internet goes down? You know, uh, so, so if I have a, a yeah. plain old telephone, that copper line still connected, you know, my internet might be more unreliable in their mind. So let's, let's get a little nerdy with that, right? So, Telco, plain old telephone service, right? The PSTN. Telco actually generates the power current from that central office. The uh, the big warehouse that belongs to your telco that is no further than, you know, something like two and a half, three miles away from you. Again, because copper limitations. Right. Um, so they're providing the current. So even if you have a power outage, you probably notice if you don't have a phone system, if you have just a plain phone connected to the wall, it still has service. And for a lot of people, I'm in Miami, hurricane, you know, uh, hurricane resiliency, we do have copper lines for backup. It, it happens. But unlike copper phones, where if your office power goes out, who cares if the phone works? Your computers don't work. Your internet doesn't work. Well, your PBX us, doesn't work. Plan, your PBX doesn't work. So for the longest time, our backup plan was, okay, well, grab your cell phone. You have the app or you have the, the SIM card. Go work on Wi-Fi at a McDonald's or a Starbucks with a VPN on. <laughs> but go work, you know what I mean. But go work from there. Go work from anywhere else. It literally enables work from anywhere. And while yes, that's seen as a benefit to a lot of people, it's also a resiliency plan. And mm -hmm. every MSP I've ever met is very strong on resiliency plans. Well, your communications. We started this whole thing with people saying, "There's no business out there that says ah, phones don't matter. They're not that important." Well, if phones are important, you need a resiliency plans for your phone. VoIP is a no-brainer because the internet goes down, it can automatically fail over to your cell phones, automatically fail over to another office, automatically fail over to whatever you want it to do. And if you it's set up for something you didn't want it to do, grab your phone, go to the website, change the routing, and you're good to go. It's it's that simple. Well, to that point, you're talking about the failing over. Your, your business doesn't have to be down. So, so we do that actively for several clients now where they have call queues. So a call queue is basically how it routes inbound calls to miss whoever you want it to internally in the company. But like if you have one office that you have calls going into, but you only staff it part-time, well, have it ring there once and then fail back over to your main office where you have all your normal staffers. Or if your main office is super busy, but one of your team is at the other, other location, well, if everyone's on the phone here, that person can still pick up those calls. So it's the same thing you would do for business resilience or like the building going away can function very well for just normal how traffic flows inside your organization. And with that flexibility, I mean, we're we're completely remote. I come into the office because my wife works from home, so to give us some space. But, you know, other than that, we're a completely remote company. We're literally global. So we have call takers, literally, I have my receptionist. One is in the building, in the room next to me. The other one's in California on the opposite coast. Where we um, are. 
Yeah, where you are actually, yeah, absolutely. And so having that flexibility where you can have staff anywhere. I mean, we hire staff, we ship them out phones and they're good to go in 24 hours. They're ready, they're ready to get started. So besides the flexibility and the resiliency, having those options where you can just pick up and go, or you can keep working if you're one of those workaholics like us where, you know, we, sometimes we work on vacation, <laughs> sometimes we work on trips oh. we're not really supposed to, you know, you have that flexibility. You're not picking up your desk phone from the office and, you know, no. bringing a long cable and carrying it with you. You don't need to do that. It's a you long copper cable. Work however you want. It is a long cable. Well, and to your, to your point, I mean, we're, we're similar. Uh, Robbie's in Minnesota. We have a, a team member in Austin, Texas. And right now we have a virtual reception or a virtual dispatch person that's uh, in the Philippines and they're using OIT in the Philippines. And guess what? It works. It's pretty. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just, forget about that sometimes because you know my EA is also in the Philippines. We have some staff in the Philippines, and we're on calls every day. I mean, multiple calls every day, and I forget. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, you're not like here local. You're thousands of miles away. I think so, they're seven or eight thousand cool. miles from us in California. So you uh, tack on another thirty, you know, thirty-two hundred for you. Yeah. That's a substantial <sighs> amount of distance. Are you did, okay? That had to be like. You did not just pull that out of the top of your head. You had to Thank you. I Googled it before. I huh? yeah. <laughs> I'm, I appreciate There's you calling no him way out for BJ that. has that 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 grasp of geography where he's like, yeah, give me any two points, give me longitude, latitude. I got you. Like, I got you. <laughs> I just happen to know those. Or maybe two. he does. Yeah. Maybe I do. I just have to wonder. Come up to me at a conference and give me channel flu, and then uh, you can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or con flu and you can, hug, uh, you can test channel my... flu and then ask exactly. them, you know, between Sri Lanka and, you know, San Diego, what's the distance? And exactly. You know, uh, it's a, it's a metric. It's 482 <laughs> square feet. Uh, <laughs> well, we're, uh, we're in America, so we can say it's uh, 300 washing machines. So we're good. Exactly. Exactly. 300 washing machines. Well, if you're listening to this guys and you got more questions, one, you can uh, reach out to us. Our emails in the show notes, uh, business is the website to, to find us. And again, if you're looking for a, a telephone system or some help with a telephone system, please reach out to OIT. His contact information is in the show notes. And Ray, any other details about uh, you want to give the listeners or tell us a little bit more uh, about where they can find you guys? Uh, so I'm literally everywhere. Uh, if you go to youtube.com slash OIT VoIP, we have hundreds of videos talking about all this stuff in plain people language, the same thing you guys are trying to accomplish here speaking you know and making sure it's not highly technical with a bunch of acronyms and your eyes glaze over little five minute digestible easy videos to watch just to go see like does this work for me and if it does reach out to me reach out to etop and we'll make it happen well thanks again awesome. ray i appreciate it a lot and bj you got any closing notes so nothing further from me. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm looking forward to being well next week so we can record another really great podcast for everyone. Uh, but Ray, really appreciate having you on. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Till next time. <laughs>